Ladies, gentlemen, and everyone in between, I'm Orion Lavelle. And I'm Travis Mattingly. And you're listening to Tooth and Nail, a monstrous podcast, where today we're talking about another demon. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about another demon. There's a lot of weird energy in this room. A already. lot of weird energy. <laughs> we spent the last two and a half hours talking about Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, but now we're going to change course entirely and not make any Star Wars <laughs> no, jokes. Not a single one. Or talk about George Lucas and his hilarious <laughs> delivery. Uh, no, we're going to talk about quasits today. We're going to talk about another kind of demon, the quasit, which is imp adjacent. Yeah, it's, it's as close as an, to an imp as you can get. Pretty much. And it serves very similar functions to an imp in terms of lore and to some degree like mechanical stuff. It kind of boggles my mind that you can have a quasit familiar. It definitely feels like the most powerful of the like imp-esque kind of familiar creatures. I can't remember what the CR for an imp is. Same. Same. Both, they are both CR1 creatures. Okay. Yeah. The... Other exception for the, oh, you can have this as a familiar that I can think of is like pseudo dragon. Yeah. I and can't that's re- not a CR one. It's like a, I want to say half. I don't. Yeah. I don't. Well, like not only like statistically does it feel weird. It also just feels like, and let me just really quick. One more, have one more check at imps. Uh, yeah. It does just kind of feel like, well, imps are quite good. It feels like imps and quasits are just like in terms of mechanical verb set shit they can do are just more powerful than anything else. Like quasits in particular, I think are just better monsters than everything else. And it feels, I don't know. It feels kind of weird. Like it feels at least, so I don't know. This feels tangential in some regards, but uh, it's only warlocks packed to the chain warlocks who can have imps and quasits as their familiars, right? That's up to the DM. Cause this does sort of, um, imply that this is a familiar you could choose if your dm lets you yeah. that's what the variant familiar thing means yeah i think warlocks do specifically have yeah. like a thing that say yeah so i believe pack to the chain warlocks get just get imps and quasits as part of their thing i think so I think um, you're right. and then there's a little blurb in here that we'll get to in a bit that says that anybody anybody can have the power of the closet if you believe hard enough and ask your gm nicely i it feels like i don't know it, they they feel very incredibly powerful, and that feels like a, a feature perk of being a Pact of the Chain Warlock. I honestly, like, I almost wish there was, like, a little, like, a little aberration squiddy you could get for the old one <laughs> warlock, because it feels like quasits and imps don't quite fill up. What's the, Pseudo Dragon is the great old one equivalent, right? Yeah, because it's, like, a telepathic, uh, dragon-esque creature. Yeah. So. I would have liked a little squiddy. Yeah. That's really neither here nor there, because we're talking <laughs> about quasits, which, on the whole... Ends up being like a nice little familiar character, a, ve- a potent familiar character, and then just like a nice little scurrying around little thing if you want to talk about demons without having a big old demon fight. And, and in some ways, this could be like a, a useful ad for maybe like a CR5 encounter where you're fighting a Bulgara and then some imps or some quasits thrown on as well. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll find that by and large, I think the mechanical stuff that a quasi can do is quite potent. But Travis just gave me a really weird look because you were looking at old pictures of quasits. <laughs> so if you're good to go and I'm good to go, let's go into the episode. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. <laughs> So artistically, well, let's talk about what we have here before yeah. we talk about the thing that you're dying to show to me. And I'm I like, d- I'm so excited. I don't want to look at it again. All right, let's do it. All right. So uh, what we get in the fifth edition monster manual 
is a like real bug-like kind of thing. Uh, it has the like weird, like full, not quite segmented, but like full black demon eyes thing that feel yeah. very bug-like. And it's like skeletal structure feels pretty insectoid to me with its claws and its back feet and like the recurve leg kind of thing that it's doing. Yeah, I get that. I get that vibe. Which is cool. It's something that we've seen before in terms of thematic tropes. Like, you know, Kazmies were bug-like. And every now and again, we get like a scaly, insectoid-esque kind of creature. Um, I'm I'm excited to compare these to imps later on. Because I think that this might be the key to cracking what is like artistically a, a, like a, a demon versus a devil. Yeah, because just like the vague look at an imp. It's like, if you say the word, you'd know what it looks like. Yeah. If you had said Quasit, I would have had no idea. And looking at this, I would have had no idea. Yeah, I mean, it looks kind of like an, an imp, but with scales and is green instead of red. Yeah, one of my favorite things about it is like its weird thin bat ears. And yeah. like it's it's kind of like up its triangular mouth shape. Yeah, yeah, it's very <laughs> alien looking. It's kind of cool. It doesn't map onto like, I, I've, okay, like maybe I've seen like gross deep sea creatures that look kind of like this, but I feel like it's... It doesn't map onto a traditional animal yeah in a way that i kind of like right so like where imps as i recall mostly just look like little buff dudes with wings the closet does kind of feel chaotic as it ought to where you can't really define a history for it in a way that i kind of like um and you know in addition to its weird little bug face it also has great big long horns and scales all over its body and a long little tail it kind of looks like a tiny little dinosaur yeah, and the horns, to your insect credit, do sort of look kind of like segmented and carapacy. Yeah. More than just like raw horn material. Yeah, you know, alien is exactly what I mean, because its face kind of looks like a xenomorph, like an alien alien, right? Like, doesn't it kind of have... What am I thinking? It kind of looks like... It definitely has the face of something that I recognize from pop culture. I know what you mean, but it's not xenomorph. It's not a xenomorph, it's... but it's like... <sighs> Almost like a like looks an like, 80s fuck. What am I? Uh, uh, it sort of reminds me of Gremlins. Yeah, like a Gremlin or yeah, something. It's like it's very strange. It does look. It's kind of nostalgic in a way, like that facial structure. <laughs> like it, it does kind of look like a Gremlin. It looks like a classic horror thing for sure. Like yeah. classic film horror, which is neat, right? Like that's kind of that is what it is, and it's nice to have something that is a gremlin adjacent thing. Yeah. Because that is the the role that it's fulfilling, right? This is your gremlin if you want to have a gremlins if you want to do gremlins too in your D&D &D <laughs> campaign. This is the animal for you. This is this is your like goosebumps monster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that might be why I like it. It kind of feels like an old dangerous 80s monster, like a, you know, the tiny but fierce kind of thing. It does sell that, which I think is you know, something that you would need to sell for a demon, right? Because demons are supposed to be fierce and unrelenting. And if you were to demonstrate that in terms of an artistic design, I think trying to evoke the like fierce but unrelenting gremlins or or things of that nature is a good, wise artistic choice. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, pretty good. Um, it's got like a cod piece. Well, it's got a little bump. I mean, in. yeah. Or, Jesus, it's like a camel that... toe. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> sort of got a little. Yeah, it's kind of got a little vulva there. going on. <laughs> it's got a little something going on down it's there. Volvic. It's hard to say. Ah, uh, all right. It's a little Dante's Inferno. I in wish here. I hadn't looked that closely at it. <laughs> so I can't not look at it. 
I feel like we should have this be a special segment where we talk about the dick of the monster. <laughs> That's. I think we tried to do that once, but <laughs> we, we try to do it every time, as I recall. Like, well, maybe it just keeps coming up because they D and D has o- only two ways of disguising it. It's either <laughs> fur cloth. weird, yeah, weird like fur loincloth or bump, or yeah, just like uncanny bump <laughs> that you can't quite. Hey. Want me to distract you from that? Yeah, I can all right. show you the next edition. Yeah, so you've seen a lot of creepy pasta online, so yeah, you, you know I'm you're prepared. Probably mentally prepared. Whoa, <laughs> that's a droopy son right there. Yep, I sure do hate him. Whoa, that's uh, I like that. That's the four E. Yeah. Damn. It's really fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, it's so like so. It's so not what the rest of fourth edition was. But it kind of. Is. So, like, it's interesting because it reads like a 4E demon, right? It's spiky. It's oh, one yeah. color. It's got, like, slabs instead of scales, right? It's just, like, its skin is weirdly textured. Yeah, but artistically but, it reads like a second edition monster. Yeah, movie. and yeah. I think that's the, the the split is that because it's a weak demon, they couldn't do the 4E thing where they make it super big and intimidating. And so it has 4E design choices on top of something that is kind of pathetic. <laughs> and I kind of love that. Yeah, they. Are, this is like the first one I've seen that has like just a background with a shadow. Yeah, like it's not covered with fire or anything. Yeah, like, its skin is hanging off. Yeah, it's all gross and shitty. Yeah, it's like sad. <laughs> Boy, I kind of like that. Like it reminds me, God strive my soul, but it kind of reminds me of Agony. Do you remember that game? <laughs> yes, I, that was what I thought when I saw its eye sockets too. So. Yeah, it's yeah. So <laughs> saggy you know, eye sockets. Yeah, so like kind of like a yeah like a agony like not quite doom but sadder than doom sad doom yeah i kind of like that that's a style i can kind of get behind at least compared to most 4e stuff yeah so then we've got just this oh this is as big as the art is apparently it's Mm -hmm. just a footnote it's just third edition it's just it looks like an imp looks like a Baldur's gate thing second edition nice second edition imp or second edition closet is very very cool yeah he looks like a minion from overlord (laughs) yeah a little bit i love its antennas it's very again it's kind of like its little horn-like antenna yeah uh it does feel very alien and like its wings are segmented it's got like a weird curvy tail instead of like the devil-ish tail the fiendish tail it's just kind of got like a curvy yeah god i love that second e art style (laughs) it's really good good and then, and then first, first edition is just a like really a sad melting man. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That feels like the recurring joke is all of these interesting design choices. And then first edition is just a really sad man. Or in the case of the cloaker, just like a fucking Castlevania enemy. <laughs> just a, just a, a party city cape with a face. God, I love that fucking cloaker. <laughs> Jesus, I love that cloaker. Um, Yeah. So, so yeah, so 5e closet is quite good. It, it's alien and insectoid and interesting, and I like it. I feel like it is thematically appropriate and artistically appropriate. Yeah. Um, in terms of the lore that we get for the closet, it is so so we get our our demon mandated two paragraphs. Closets infest the lower planes. They are physically weak. They keep to the shadows in order to do mischief and wickedness. Uh, often more powerful demons will use them as spies. Or, you know, kind of little winged Hermes messengers to get things from place to place. Demon lords will also just straight up eat them as demon lords do. Or, you know, just torture them as demon lords do. But I kind of like this idea of, like, like carrier closets. Like, for the wartime. I yeah. don't know, that's kind of, like, seems like a fun little detail. Yeah. I uh-huh. mean, like, it's 
it's fun to me because closets don't fly, so it's fun yeah. to me to, that just like scurrying through the feet across the battlefields, just kind of yeah. like. And then they they like turn invisible, and that's kind of how they get from place to place, and they yeah. like climbing all over shit, even though they do that badly as well. I kind of <laughs> like this. I almost like want like God fucking for friend. We talk about Star Wars more, but I do want like a Rogue One of closets where this is the closet <laughs> core. And we've got to deliver Orcus's message to, you know, the front lines, but we got to make through Demogorgon's no man's land. <coughs> Fuck, that would be cool as shit. <laughs> I'm into that. So so do that for me. The, the, the trick to appeasing you is that you need a boots on the ground story for every monster. <laughs> Pretty much. I think, that's what, I think that's what I'm for. Or maybe I'm just, you know, I've rewatched Rogue One like recently and I really like it. And that might just be where I'm at now. Uh, kind of interestingly, Quasits speak common. So like... You can interrogate them. Huh. It's interesting. I think it's the only demon that speaks common, but they're used as messengers. You as the players could feasibly, like, interrogate a quasit, and then this becomes the, like, you know, stranger in a strange land. This is kind of like the helper NPC of sorts, where at least this is the the NPC that helps you get your bearings and gives you the, the political sphere of what's going on in your abyss. Do you think the reason they speak common, and this is... I mean, mechanically. Mm. Do you think the reason they speak common is solely because they can be familiars? And yeah. they didn't want you to have a free telepathic link between you and your familiar? Yeah, that seems that seems fair and correct. I, yeah, I think that's right. I think you're right. I just also like the fringe benefit. Oh, yeah, no, I always like to think about why they picked something mechanically, because it seems like a weird thing, like... Did, like like nobody would ask yeah like why does this one thing speak common and they're like don't worry about it i think yeah i think that's <laughs> a i think that's a mechanical affordance more than anything else uh but i do like the idea that now it's fucking canon yeah, of course closets just have this inherent ability to speak english <laughs> and that's like weird oh maybe it's also like closets have been summoned so much they've just learned oh common like pugs they're just bred they into just, knowing they this just language keep, they, yeah they've been summoned they're the shittiest like they've been summoned the most to do things for people that now they just inherently know common that's cool that's cool i like that it also allows the closet to function more easily as a spy for in the material plane for demon lords in the material plane right yeah I like that too quite a bit because telepathy doesn't mean you can listen to them and right like when when you have yeah, a telepathic you, link you know that somebody is linked to you right not necessarily no it's not unless so if you are telepathically linked with somebody you don't hear all their thoughts you only mm. hear what they are communicating to you right what I'm asking so, is do you know when somebody has so. a link to you? I don't think so no because otherwise you'd be aware all the time when you're around a warlock mm. Mm. okay interesting well, so, yeah. I, yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Belay that. Any demon can be a spy then. But, I mean, like, quasits are mechanically situated to be, like, eavesdroppers anyway, since they can turn invisible quite easily and are quite small and whatnot and have stealth bonuses. Uh, so I, I still kind of like that idea of, like, go my little... Like, you know, the one subtle demon lord, you know, like, or Nalfeshni or whatever, like something... Glabretsu, I guess. Something that can plan a little bit and can long game a little bit and instead of just you know pour everything into this crack in the plains it's more like you know we're just gonna quietly send out a closet <laughs> or whatever get the lay of the land and then see what we can do from there yeah and i mean like closets are still the only effective spies because just because things can telepathically speak doesn't mean they can understand things being said mm. like mm. you if you make a telepathic link with somebody who is having a conversation with someone else you do not understand the things being said to the other person that person they have to speak to you 
right? So, okay. So, wait. Okay. So, the idea, you make a telepathic link. Yes. You can then only communicate, communicate directly with each other. The thoughts that person are having okay. that are unrelated to the conversation you do not hear. You do not hear. pick up. Yes. Yes. Okay. So, the closet is the, the spy because it can overhear conversations. Yes. Yes. And it speaks the language, whereas... A regular demon would just speak abyssal and not, it would hear like, oh, blah, blah. human speak. Okay. And would just be like. Yes. That is the, that is my, that was the original point I was making is that closets can overhear yes. common and thus be spies that way. You were correct. Okay. Yes. T telepathy has no bearing on how good of a spy you are. Yes. Because of detect <laughs> thoughts. Because yes. Detect thoughts has to be a spell that is useful. Yes. Okay. Nice. Uh, in which case they, they make successful spies. And I like that as a little bit of a part, plot arc. Furthermore, a closet is a shape changer, a shapeshifter, which is pretty interesting. In some ways, you you know you get like three for the price of one as a warlock with a familiar. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Uh, they can turn into certain animal forms, and I kind of like now that we've kind of camped out on this. Closets have been like bred to serve certain functions. I like this idea as like you know humans bred closets to be able to transform into material plane animals and that's why they can <laughs> so easily shift into like bats and toads and bugs and shit uh as opposed to like whatever weird animal creature you might find on the abyss yeah it would also lend to the idea that they've been used to spies so much that they had to adapt to the material plane to yeah. disguise themselves yeah like i almost like that idea as like uh you know paying attention kind of so like if you as the party enter the abyss you see like a flock of bats pass overhead. You don't think anything of it. And then, you know, as part of the plot <laughs> reveal later on, oh, fuck, that was, you know, the thing we don't want relaying information all this time. Why there would be, why would there be regular bats in the abyss? We didn't even think about it. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be pretty cool. I like that. In addition to their shape-shifting abilities, the lore tells us that they have a couple of magical abilities as well. They can turn invisible pretty much whenever they want. Uh, and they also have a poison that is inherent to them what am i thinking of? they are also venomous is what ah, i'm trying to say yes uh they basically you know with their claws they can poison things the end <laughs> it's dawning on me right now that i kind of wish that they had uh that was the coast had structured the lower paragraphs in a different way uh purely because it's inconveniencing this show format right now where i'm like ah. all of this interesting lore stuff about who they are and what niche they fill and then we just have the paragraph after the fact that's just what they are so you know, oh, yeah that's you know that's the paragraph of what they are that's what they are they have poison they have some magic we'll find all of this to be mechanically the case the big important thing is that you know they can be food to the hungry demon lord like dretches or whatever that doesn't necessarily make them interesting but they also have this more interesting niche role as like a spy or a messenger. Yeah. Which can be cool. And you know, has some has some functions there. Yeah. Have yeah. you did you got any ideas about lore? Uh that's the problem with these minion creatures, is I have a hard time figuring out any kind of adventure that could come from them. Mm -hmm. Like the only thing I could think of would be like the the adventure hook that comes from a warlock who the warlock in your party who summons a demon and it's this closet and it speaks to you yeah. in common and it just like totally different from all other experience with all other demons you or your warlock friend have ever had yeah this closet just speaks in common to you and like asks you for help with something and everyone's like uh yeah you know <laughs> there's that there's also the, the alternative thing where like um you know this closet has been ostensibly a spy its entire existence for demon lords for millennia by summoning in this closet you basically like you could like double agent it right like you could convince it to be on your side and now you have like 
complete and total knowledge of all of Orcus's plots for the entire whatever. Like there, there seems like there's got to be some lore affordance for that, like some retcon of some kind that keeps like, you know, a closet's memory is wiped every whatever, like a Star Wars, dare I say, a Star Wars fucking droid. Yeah, it's like my best guess is that their intelligence and wisdom isn't great. So yeah. like your, your DM would just have to be like, he can tell you some maybe unreliable information, yeah. but it's like... Or maybe they've forgotten or something. It's like, man, if my players were like, hey, <laughs> yeah, can we convince this demon to tell us information about the demon lords? I'd be like, sure. <laughs> yeah, I kind of like that because it almost it like narratively balances the closet, right? Like the closet is weak as a creature, but it also carries the secrets of the demon lords at all times. <laughs> and so like, can communicate them. Yeah, and can easily and readily tell them. So like, I almost like that as you know, the beginning of an adventure path of some kind where this closet, you know, the warlock summons in their closet and it accidentally, you know, has the the nuclear launch codes for the demon nuke. And then, uh, you know, you do an entire couple of adventures based on that. I think that would be quite cool. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. It's a closet. It, it has some good potential for some adventure hooks, which we, you know, don't always get with demons. Especially not the lower on the food chain demons. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like more and more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like this. I like that the thing that makes the closet interesting is the language, like the common. The thing nobody ever cares about when you're picking a character. They're like, yeah, I take the three most common whatever. Yeah. But yeah, it's funny that the idea is so exotic that something knows common. Yeah. (laughs) That's kind of funny to me. It's very cool. And I think it has (laughs) a lot of interesting potential that I like quite a bit. So, mechanically, we have a step block. We also have a little bit of blurb. Uh, it mentions that closets can can be familiars to various kinds of spellcasters and that the closet will often, you know, pretend to be submissive, but will also, in many cases, try to goad its master into acts of chaos and evil, as we often find in this kind of dichotomy, uh, or in this kind of uh, paradigm. Kind of interestingly, and this is more a mechanical thing than an anything else thing, the little blurb says that uh, if you you can take this trait where if you have a bond with its master, there is a there is a, telep- a, a telepathic component to it. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, more importantly, you get magic resistance if you're within 10 feet of it, and that feels like it kind of breaks things a little bit. Yeah, it's that's why this is part of the variant rule apparently because it's just too tough. Yeah, because this is one of the things where it's like, if you took this to the Adventures League or whatever, and you were like, like, I want a closet, they'd be like, I want you to leave my table. I want you to fucking die. (laughs) Yeah, go. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's exactly. If you look up online, it's like best familiar to take. People are like, yeah. But I do like it. It is neat. Yeah, it's neat. It's cool. It also the end of that paragraph. 
It says at any time for any reason the closet can end its service as a familiar. I love the idea that it can just fucking ditch you at a moment's notice in the middle of like the hardest battle of your life. That works so well <laughs> in like a spy subplot uh -huh. where like you're just, you know, you're literally just trying to like honeypot this imp into or this closet into giving you information. I'm using imp colloquially, get yeah. off my back. Yeah. You're using it, you know, to like you're trying to just like goad it, persuade it into giving you demon information. And knowing that at any point it could just pop back to Demogorgon or whatever and give Demogorgon all of your information because it's been gathering information about you this entire time. <laughs> or like in that same vein, it's like it's been following you around, kind of like giving you the feeling that you're the strongest spellcaster. You've got magic resistance. You've got mm. your familiar by your side at all times. And you're like in this fight, somebody like casts, let's say for fun, meteor, <laughs> meteor swarm on you or whatever. And you're, the player's like, all right, I roll my save with advantage. And the DM is like, where's your familiar? <laughs> Look around. Where is my familiar? It's like, you don't have a familiar, my man. That would be pretty good. Yeah, I can, I can see that, you know, the, the closet. Just double yeah, cross Yeah, right just there. noping out at the worst possible moment. <laughs> that could be very cool and interesting and dramatic. I, uh, yeah, I like that. <laughs> with no, like, pretense. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like a scheming familiar. Uh, and I like that, that kind of putting that into the the Warlock gameplay, because the Warlock gameplay is mostly like narrative based, what with your your patron and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, so I like this this little added wrinkle. Mm hmm. Pretty good. Mm hmm. In terms of the actual, actual stat block that we get, the closet's a tiny little fiend. It's a shape changer and a demon, chaotic evil in alignment. It's got a CR of one. It's got an average armor class of 13. And then a tiny little, I mean like tiny little, it's got seven HP, which is, you know, technically small on the scale, but that's about right for a creature of its kind. Uh, and then a pretty quick little scurrying around speed of 40. It can move pretty quickly for a tiny little creature, which, yeah. you know, services it well as like a spy. In terms of its attributes, its strength is pretty minuscule as you'd expect. Its intelligence isn't that great either. It's got average wisdom and average charisma and average constitution and pretty good dexterity. So, you know, it's a nimble little guy. Uh, it gets a plus five bonus to stuff. Again, helping it spy and lurk around and peek at stuff and relay information as it needs to. Uh, in terms of its damage resistances, they're pretty much what you'd expect as well. It's the cold, the fire, the lightning, and then the physical, non-magical resistances as well. And then on top of that, the immunity to poison and the poison condition, as you'd expect for a demon. And really, just like, just that lineup automatically, I feel like it makes it the best yeah. choice. Like, for sure. The only thing balancing the closet is the familiar is that it can decide to fuck off at any time. Yeah, <laughs> like, which is that's cool. That's the only thing. Yeah, I like that <laughs> quite a bit. I like that quite a bit. Uh, and plus, you got to give the pack of the chain guys yeah. something to do, right? But like, truth be told, and again, this is super tangential, like... Pack to the Blade gets, like, this really cool weapon that you can, you know, max out, help max out damage with. And Pack to the Chain, you know, you have a familiar, which we now see is quite powerful and assistance at all the time. And Pack to the Tone, you just get, like, three cantrips. Three cantrips and the ability to cast ritual spells. If you use an invocation, it's an invocation. You have to get in. You have to get that. Is it? You don't just get it. You have to have, you have to I access thought... the invocation. Oh, I thought the whole thing of your Book of Shadows was that you could... No, it's an invocation. Hold on. Let me double check. Yeah, I thought that was the whole thing about the Book of Shadows. It gives, I mean, like, you can't take that invocation unless you have the Book of Shadows, but it, it eats up not only your packed gift, but also an invocation. Really? Yeah. 
Tome Warlock's kind of blow. Wow, fuck me. You're right. No, fuck me. I'm the person with the Pact of the Tome <laughs> Warlock. Huh. Yeah, so, you know, learn from my mistakes. Pick any of the other Pact Gifts for your Warlock. Huh. All right. <laughs> but that's neither necessarily here nor there. Uh, it gets the Dark Vision out to 120 feet that you'd expect. It has an average passive perception of 10. It speaks Abyssal and Common, thus leading to all of those super interesting spy encounter kind of stuff, in addition to it just being, like, Kind of helpful for having just a party mascot, you know, if your familiar's around. Uh, in terms of its traits, it gets Shape Changer, which we see with some of my more favorite monsters, like vampires get this as well. It's pretty cool. Uh, and it's basically just like a polymorph, uh, more or less an at-will polymorph, where the closet can use its action to transform into a beast shape that is either a bat, a centipede, or a toad. And I believe the the closet versions of each of these creatures are a little bit faster than average. Like, I, yeah, like the centipede is definitely faster than normal. Uh, and I believe the toad is as well. Thus, you know, thus, thus facilitating some more of that messenger stuff. Oh, it's just straight up a regular centipede. I was ex I was picturing like giant centipede. No, 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 no regular centipede. Straight up just centipede. Yeah, it turns into a regular animal. The only kind of advantage that it gives is that its uh, attack still does the poison damage even if it's transformed, uh, which is kind of cool. So <laughs> it gets the speed changes and then also when it's... Uh, okay, so we'll get to it right now. The other thing it gets is the magic resistance. Whoop to fucking do. <laughs> In terms of its actions, uh, it takes a claw or a bite action in beast form. The attack itself is a little bit above average in terms of accuracy. It has a plus four to hit uh, for a CR one creature that's a little bit above average. It does five, one d4 plus three piercing damage, and when a target is hit by it, it must succeed on a relatively below average DC 10 con save or take five 2d4 poison damage and become poisoned for one minute, which is pretty pretty good for, for a familiar kind of character yeah even like cr1 because most like low cr poison effects are until it's next turn or something the four one minute save at the end of your turn thing doesn't come up i don't think a whole lot in this low of a cr no it, it definitely feels something like an upgrade and more well like it's, it's very interesting i can't remember exactly what the action economy here is can you command your do you have to take up an action to make your familiar attack i think it's different for pact of the chain than normal but i cannot possibly remember because i have never played one neither have i so. i can't so like it doesn't it kind of makes something of a difference because if you can do this in addition to your warlock shit every turn that's quite impressive i can imagine this falling off pretty quickly in a larger campaign, right? I Like, by level 5, this isn't really interesting or special. Yeah, hell, by level 3, this isn't all that great either. You know what it is? What? Um, familiars can't attack normally at all. Yeah. that's I forgot about that. Yeah. It is only Pact of the Chain. Uh, what it is is when you, you have to take the attack action, and you can forego your attack to let your familiar make an attack using its reaction. Using so you use its reaction and, and your, your action, action to make it do one attack. Okay, well, yeah, that's fine. Honestly, like, the, the purpose of having a familiar is to, you know, do assist, and if you're taking this crazy-ass variant blurb, you know, you just have magic resistance anyway. Yeah. Uh, so that, that feels like reward enough, and I guess every now and again, if you, when you're a level one little tiny little warlock or a level 
two-level tiny little warlock. If you want to take this little poison action as well, there's some measure of advantage for you. That is something. I'm you. Know, I mean, like realistically, that that is the primary service by which the closet will fill. I can, as well as you know, if you were to fight this in in a fight, like if this was an ad in a fight, or if you were just fighting it in a level one encounter, you'd kill it pretty quickly. This is definitely like an ad monster. Oh yeah. Um. So like within a fight, you know, this can be helpful in the way that these things so often are, where you know the closet can rush in and poison the thing and set up a larger, more dangerous enemy's attack, or, you know, keep the, the party from killing the larger dangerous thing so easily. In addition to the claws, the closet has an action called Scare that can take <laughs> once per day. And this is... So, so, okay, so, okay. So when the closet takes the Scare action, one creature of the closet's choice within 20 feet of it must succeed on a DC 10 wisdom saving throw, which is, again, a little bit below average or be frightened for one minute, and then you repeat the save at the end of your turns. And with this advantage, if the closet is within line of sight, as we often see uh, in these fear effect kind of things, you have to, it has to be an attack, right? When you command your familiar to do it, to do an action, or can it be any of these things? Cause any, like, honestly, like, like I would, I would, I would take a scare action for a day, or I would, you know, even sometimes make my closet invisible if I could. It says make one attack. Hmm. It it doesn't specify. Okay. I would allow it, but that's me. <laughs> yeah. So who knows, right? Whatever. Yeah. Uh, DM's choice. It feels kind of potent for the early game, but it probably falls off substantially as you go on since it's a wisdom save. Um, but yeah, pretty good. Pretty good stuff. Again, helpful in an ad for, for early on encounters. Another way to keep the party locked down for a larger fight. I kind of like the idea of, and it, you know, this is how the closet, it, and, this, you know, as we so often get into when the the grid does a lot of the legwork in the encounter, since the closet is so fast, you could use the closet to lock down a, a party member by just, like, scaring it and then running off into mm. that direction using its crazy fast movement speed. Mm -hmm. And then with that, you can probably keep, like, you know, if you had two or three closets, you could keep two or three party members out of the fight for... An extended period of time uh at least around which could be pretty cool and interesting yeah um looking at find familiar as it's listed your closet can actually just do this on its own hmm. it can use other actions as normal it's just attacks it can't interesting so, so yeah so you could ask your little buddy like hey little buddy that guy <laughs> go scare that guy which kind of just feels like the same thing right yeah. like you're just using your action to just tell your buddy to go and well scare the yeah guy. but if your dm is like that was your action that's shitty yeah but <laughs> uh, yeah i mean like to to have a a reliable means i guess you know you can do cause fear in some way it just feels like a shitty version of a first level spell so yeah it doesn't feel yeah. that bad uh that you can only do once per day it seems fair Additionally, it also gets the invisibility where the closet can turn invisible until it attacks or uses scare and or or until its concentration ends as it would for any spell and all of its stuff disappears with it as is so often the case with invisibility. Again, this is, it, it's there for the surprise round. It's there to help it, you know, do spy shit as well. So at any point you could, and in, in some ways I'm finding, I'm thinking to myself more and more that invisibility is kind of like the like the backup, like the ace in the hole for when you've designed the encounter too easily. Yeah. And you're just like, suddenly three closets appear because they were invisible. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. And that can, uh, yeah, here's a, here's a helpful hint. 
If a creature can turn invisible, try throwing it into an encounter that you expected <laughs> to be harder but is not. Something. Another thing about this having invisibility at will is that it is a uh, familiar, which means that you can... And it speaks common, which means that at any time, you can just send it into a room, risking none of your party members, and then it can come back out and tell you what it saw. Yeah. Or since it's a familiar, you could literally just go, boop, and see through its eyes as it invisibly goes through anywhere you need checked. Yeah. Which yeah. makes it, again, the superior familiar choice. Yeah, in many ways, like, <laughs> this this thing, this little doodad will probably be doing the rogue shit better than the rogue for some time. Yeah, this like, is your Swiss army familiar. Like, yeah. you just, oh, we need to do this? Well, I got a guy for that. Yeah, sure do. <laughs> Kind of like that. I kind of, well, I kind of like it because it's, I, I don't like obviating the rogues. So, yes. you know, do without what you will. I do kind of like having the the simplicity of just being like, oh, I go and make my closet do all the scouting. Because honestly, like the scouting part of D&D is not usually terribly fun. Yeah. And then, you know, my closet comes back and this is all the things. There we go. You don't have to do the like, I creep into this room, roll stealth check. I look at this lock, roll perception. I do all of these things. I think that you know, help streamline the process in a way that I, I like a little bit. Um, which, you know, is streamlined even further by the fact that you have that telepathic bond that goes out to a mile. So at any point, you know, it, it's just, it helps check rooms easier, which during a dungeon call is pleasant and nice to have. Uh, yeah. So putting it all together, like in a fight, so like these, we've we've enumerated all the ways that it causes us helpful for familiar. Yeah. Yes. Uh, in like a fight, as mentioned, like, the closet is more or less an add-on kind of monster. I can imagine maybe like for a less combat-heavy encounter, <laughs> the closet just turning invisible and popping. Oh, over here, scare! Oh, over here, poison! <laughs> and then like bolts. I, I or even like um like a spy character, like it's merely here to gather information about a larger fight or maybe to assist a larger fight a little bit, and then scarper when it's in danger. Seems fair. Seems yeah. right. Or even like it speaks common. This could end in like, wait, 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 I know a lot of demon plans, boy. I'll help you out. Wink. <laughs> the big snitch. Yeah. I think this could be quite good. Yeah, it could be, you know, Jimmy the Rat, the little closet who, you know, bursts like a like a vault with all of these demon demon secrets. Deep lore. Yeah. Yeah, I like that quite a bit. I think, yeah, on the whole, this feels much more like a narrative encounter kind of monster than a, a combat encounter kind of monster, though I think it has some, you know, with, what with the poison and the scare, it could be useful in a larger fight. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good boy. So in conclusion, Closet's pretty good. Uh, Star Wars. <laughs> God damn. Star I, Wars is, I saw it coming. Star Wars is more complex than Closet's. Uh... <laughs> But I don't want to launch into the... I, just, I, I feel like it wasn't even that much of a joke for this episode. Like, we kept a temp down yeah, pretty we, good. Yeah, we didn't talk about it really We didn't at talk all. about it Star Wars the, at in all. In the very, very beginning and the very, very end. So, in many ways, like, great success on, all, on our part <laughs> by not talking about Star Wars. Uh, Join us next time in our real lives where we just talk about Star Wars for two hours. For the next... Let's see, I'm leaving... Next 45 minutes. Yeah, it feels... I don't know, it doesn't... This doesn't even feel like a good joke ending because we didn't talk about Star Wars yeah, that much. Yeah, I know, right? It's more like a joke for us. Just trust, we did a lot of, like... And then I... George Lucas kind of kind We did of a lot of... Yeah, we did a lot of voices. We did a lot of voices. We talked about structure. Uh, and and poise and writing and whatnot. We talked about Star Wars more passionately than we've ever talked about anything else, maybe. Probably. So, <laughs> so join us next time for the Star Wars podcast. Uh, 
Blaster and uh, Sith. That's not good. <laughs> I will workshop it a bit more. Yeah. Um, but in conclusion, the Quasits, I, I like the Quasit quite a bit. I like it as yeah. like a as like a narrative kind of creature, like a spy monster. I like that quite a bit. Yeah, I didn't realize it could speak common when I first looked at it, so yeah. I was like, oh boy, just another shitty little demon. But that that one detail makes it like a little bit more fun. Yeah, and that's quite good. <laughs> like, I, I feel like it has taught me something a little bit more about monster design, where you can just change one tiny little thing. You can just throw, and we talked about this quite a bit with chimeras and um, a bunch of other monsters in the past, where like, just give me the ability to talk to the fucking thing, and immediately you've opened up so much more possibility for adventure hooks and NPCs and paths and detailing and things that are not just I roll to attack. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, which is something that I value. So if you value those things as well, look into the closet, buddy. <laughs> Pal. Mm, friendo. Apprentice. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Tooth and Nail. If you enjoyed it, feel free to leave us a review on iTunes or uh, Spotify or on our hosting site or just like tweet at us or, you know, like say it. Just say it out loud to your friends. <laughs> say it to yourself. You know, Whatever, the, man. The, yeah, the review of the social review where you just talk like a person. If you did not enjoy us and you hate the sound of our voice and our opinions on Star Wars that you didn't get to hear... Uh, feel free to check out some of the many other myriad things that are abound in nerdsmith.org, where surely you can find all sorts of things that will both be helpful to you and also discuss Star Wars in more detail than we did in this episode. <laughs> I'm over here just like, man, Tooth and Nail, I, it's like the first part where they just talked about regular monsters. It's pretty standalone. It's structured pretty well, but... I feel like there was no overarching structure <laughs> when they got into demons and it was all just kind of pointless. It's, it didn't really go anywhere. Now did, I'm afraid of what's going to happen with devils. Well, yeah, why didn't they plan out all three <laughs> sections of demons, devils, and dragons to create a larger story? Why did they change the writer midway through and not have any larger like plot beats oh, from the transition from demons to devils? Seems like bad planning on my, on my, in my opinion. But what do I know? In the meantime, <laughs> for creature comfort today, yeah. uh, develop some opinions about Star Wars. Rewatch those movies. Rogue One is quite good in my estimation, uh, and and the other ones are passable. This is this is Travis's uh, creature comfort for today. It's just go watch Star Wars and just kind of you know shut your brain off. Just just enjoy yourself, you know, man. Just yeah. like what just like what you like, man. You know. Orion says, approach everything with a critical eye. You deserve to be better. But most importantly, have a good day. Bye. <laughs>